feet of a clay. But if you be so kind to stop by and fill me afresh, then God, I'll be able to do what you call me to do. Just one more time. Bless these now, your hearers. Open their eyes and their ears. May they be concerned, committed, convicted, Lord, and then encouraged to pick up the cross and follow you even closer. That's our prayer today. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask. And all God's people said amen and amen. Let's give that choir a hand. Can we do that today? My God, my God. Thank you, family. Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn them there? And it's our tradition at New Beginnings to stand for the reading of God's holy word. If you don't have a Bible, I'm sure there is one in the pew or your neighbor will allow you to look in on them. You can turn all these other mics off and just leave mine on. Thank you. Acts chapter 10, verse 9 is where we'll begin. I want to welcome all of you who are first-time visitors to the New Beginnings Community Baptist Church. I am Pastor Wilson, and this is what we call an expository teaching and preaching church. That means we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time comma by comma and line by line. So thank you for being here with us today. We do hope you will study with us. Keep your Bibles open, look on with your neighbor. I'm sure they won't bite you. And uh, take good notes. For it's more important to hear what he says than what I say. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray, and it was about the sixth hour. Tell somebody that was lunchtime. Then he became very hungry, and he wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance, and he saw the heaven open, and an object like a great sheet that was bound at the four corners. It was a sheet that had knots in it, and it was filled with something, and it came down from heaven. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And the voice came to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything unclean, common, or unclean. And the voice spoke to him again the second time and said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. 
And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, and go down and go with them, doubting nothing. For I have sent them, Peter. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius. <clears throat> and he said, yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and he lodged them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is the second message of a three-part series entitled, A Soldier That God Could Use. Look at your neighbor one last time. Tell him, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. My, pastor My pastor wants to preach to you about, to to you about. A, soldier a soldier that God could use. Amen. When we come to our text today, <clears throat> we pick up where we left off from on last week. Peter had been used by God to start the church in Jerusalem. He was a leader of the church up until the point of our message today. And recently, as that leader, he had been sent by God to encourage Jewish members of the church who had been persecuted in Jerusalem and have fled from the city for their lives. The latest episode in Peter's ministry brought him to the coastal cities on the outside of the country. If you remember two weeks ago, he stopped by a place called Lydda. And there he raised a man named Ananias who had been sick on his bed for eight years. Y'all remember that? And after he raised Ananias, the word spread around that a miracle had taken place. And the leader of the church, Ananias, had been healed. And a woman in the next city whose name was... What was her name, y'all? Huh? Dorcas, Tabitha, yes. Dorcas had died. And she was another leader in the church. And when they heard about the miracle that was done for Ananias, they asked if Peter would come and see Dorcas. Now, Dorcas had died. And so Peter then goes and raises Dorcas back from the dead. These are two powerful ministries or two powerful miracles that only a soldier that God could use could do in the name of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me today? 
So when we come to this text today, we can find some very interesting points. Number one, we can see that a soldier that God can use, he ought to look a little like Peter. Number two, a soldier that God could use ought to have a posture of prayer and a position of waiting on God. The third thing I see in this text is that a soldier that God could use ought to always be in the position to move out when the next assignment comes their way. So when we see Peter today, he has literally fulfilled two missions that God has sent him on, and he's now waiting on the third. Are y'all listening today? I got two points I'm going to give you that I'm going to get on out your way. Number one, I want to talk about what should a soldier that God could use be doing in the waiting periods? Number one, if you are a soldier that God could use in the waiting period, you ought to be looking for the activity of God in prayer. I'm talking to somebody that's in between assignments. That's struggling with assignments. What should you be doing? Looking for the activity of God in prayer. What's God doing while you're praying? The second thing you ought to be doing is looking for the activity of God after prayer. Or what God does through your prayers. Are y'all listening today? I want you to study with me. Keep your Bibles open at verse 9. Let's wrestle in the text. The Bible says that it was the next day as they went on their journey and they drew near the city that Peter went up on the housetop to pray. And it was about the sixth hour, which was lunchtime, as I mentioned. Cornelius has just seen a vision and he has sent his servants now to go and get Peter to interpret the vision. But as they are on their way to visit Peter, Peter is up on the rooftop praying. I said this at the 8 o'clock service. Back then, the Palestinian houses, they used to build, those that had resources, would build like these upper patios. And they would be places where they would entertain company, but also to pray. They were prayer places. And Peter is visiting Simon, his friend, who lives at the beach. He's on top of his roof in his prayer position. You got me there? Okay, not only that, verse 10 says, and while he was praying, he became hungry. Ever been there before? And he wanted to eat. But while he was waiting for them to prepare lunch in the house, the Bible says, Brother Will, in verse 10, part B, he fell into a trance. Can I help you here? He didn't fall asleep in praying like we do. Amen. He, he went into a trance. In other words, it was a vision. Tell somebody it was a vision. And, and in verse 11, and he saw heaven open. And an object, like I explained earlier, a great sheet that was bound at the four corners, right? Like this. And the corners came together. And it came down from heaven like that. Can you see it? And inside of the sheet were 
four-footed animals, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And then a voice came and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, No, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice said to him again a second time, What God has cleansed, ah, don't you call unclean. This was done three times. And then the object was taken up into heaven again. Let me unpack it. When you come to this passage of scripture, first thing that's alarming that jumps, jumps out to us is that God has chosen to reveal himself to Peter in a vision and or a dream. This is important because the Bible speaks 69 times about God using visions to communicate with his followers. In other words, this is an indication of how much God has spoken through this one, through this one median. In other words, you can learn from this text that visions and prayer go hand in hand together. I don't want nobody to discard your dreams. Are you with me here? Notice he's praying first, and then the vision comes. Are you with me here? In other words, visions don't come without the catalyst of prayer. While you are praying, God tells you what to pray for, and then begins to show you what he wants you to know. Give somebody a high five and tell them dreams are from God. First thing we see in this text, except that one when you're dreaming about somebody else's man, that ain't from God. That's from the devil, amen. Just so we clear, all right? <laughs> Go along talking about, God, show me in a dream, you my man. No. <laughs> Tell somebody, keep your dream right, keep your dream right. The second thing we see in this text is that Peter goes up to the roof of the house to pray. I like this, and I wrote myself a note, Sister Wilson, love of my life. He went up to have a little talk with Jesus. I thought about that song Grandmama used to sing. Have a little talk with Jesus. He will tell him all about your trouble. He will hear our faintest cry. And he'll answer by. And when you hear a little prayer will turn. Then you know a little fire is burnt. And so just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. <laughs> Ain't that all right? He goes up to the housetop to have a little talk with Jesus. Isn't that something there? And I like this because it's critical for the life of a soldier that God could use. That, that a good soldier will be in constant communication with his superior officer. And I noticed that his posture for interaction and intercession is first of all to go up to meet with the divine. In other words, Peter is in upward activity. See, upward activity, it's, it's a mobile venture motivated by purpose and participation. Praying to God is divine, is deliberate. 
is determined, is decisive, and is directed toward the one who gives assignments to his servants. Can I say something right here? If you don't know what to do, you ought to ask the one who has all the directions. Am I talking to you here? Don't talk to everybody else but God. And when you talk to God, you always go up in prayer. Peter went up in prayer. Watch this. And you know what? God was waiting, Brother Cooley, to reveal himself to him. When Peter went up in prayer, God was ready to reveal his perfect will to him. When Peter went up in prayer, God was standing by to show Peter how he was going to work his plan in the earth. When he went up in prayer, God opened his eyes to show him what he wanted him to know. And that's why the sheet came down. God was waiting to reveal himself to Peter. But that doesn't happen until he goes up in the right posture to pray. I need to help somebody. God got what you need. He's got what you wait. No, he just needs you to make your appointment. And keep your appointment. When you go up in prayer to God, he can give you the answer to what you're looking for. Can I say some more? When you and I pray, my brothers and sisters, we ascend up into the presence of God. When you and I pray, God can lift our hearts and minds to search for the deeper things of God. See, it's in prayer that God can reveal his heart to his people for the world. It's in prayer that God, Brother Rodney, calls us into partnership with him in the earth. Don't you know that God is looking for people who will give him some time in prayer? God is looking for people who will shut down everything and seek his face. And that's why prayer is the hardest thing for the Christian to do. I know I'm right about that. You give up so quick on your prayer, you go to tweeting or you go to checking Facebook, amen. Come on, talk to me. Or go looking up somebody else's prayer to pray. Prayer is a discipline. And it's the very thing that the enemy hates. Why? Because he knows when you ascend, you can leave this atmosphere where his confusion reigns and you can get clear direction from God but if you don't pray you'll never hear God's voice can I just pastor since I'm here some of y'all ain't prayed since the last time you was here you went the whole week and ain't talked to God but you making decisions every day what kind of decision you gonna make without divine direction I'll tell you the wrong decision. Heck, I'm out here now. Can I just preach it like I feel it? Some of you with somebody because you made the wrong decision. God ain't blessed half the stuff you claiming he doing in your life. I know because you didn't pray about the decision. You didn't see God's face about the direction. And as a result, you end up with what you end up with. Ask your neighbor, is he my pastor talking to you today? Is he? Somebody over here say, don't ask me that. Amen. <laughs> Keep it real. 
the activity of God in prayer. So look at the activity of God in prayer. Peter is waiting on the next assignment. And look at verse 12. According to verse 12, he saw four-footed beasts. This is important in the vision. And this image was disrupting or disturbing to Peter because he was hungry at noontime. And he saw the food that he wasn't allowed to eat. Y'all with me? As a Jew, he couldn't eat what you and I like to eat. No, the Jews couldn't have bacon, Brittany. They couldn't have pork chops smothered in what you smother it in. Amen. They couldn't have the ribs and the pickled pig feet. Good God Almighty. They, they couldn't have all of you. Some of y'all like the intestines. Amen. You, yeah, chillings is what you call them. Amen. They, they couldn't have that kind of food. They were kosher people, and they had to eat according to the dietary laws of their culture. And God kept showing him this sheep with all that stuff that he might have secretly liked, but he couldn't eat. And the Bible said, came down, and Peter's, the Lord said, rise and eat, kill it and eat. Peter's like, no, Lord, no. The sheep came down again. I said, Peter, get up and eat. No, Lord, no. He said, whatever God calls uh, clean, don't you call unclean. It came down a third time. Peter had to wrestle with this. God was trying to teach him something about what he wanted him to do in the next assignment. But watch this. Peter's tradition had got in the way of God's assignment. And sometimes God has to do this to you and I in our walk with him. Because our traditions have us so tight that it's hard for us to see and hear what God wants us to do for him. See, sometimes the things we hold so, so dear to are the things that keep us from doing more for God. Can I say some more? In this case, God wanted Peter to prepare himself for cross-cultural ministry. But his tradition and his preferences, <laughs> yeah, had him in a headlock so that he couldn't even think about reaching the Gentiles. On last week, I shared with you that Peter had been given the keys to the kingdom. And God told him that whatever he would loose on us would be loose. Whatever he bound on us would be bound. And it was Peter going to be the one uh, issuing the inauguration of the Great Commission on earth. But they had only opened the door to the Jews. And he didn't go across the railroad tracks. Because you know them people on the west side. Them people on the east side them people on the north side them people on the south side they don't look like me God's trying to get him onto his page and his agenda and God has to reveal to him in prayer what God is talking about I don't y'all get quiet on me now but I want you to know I got some questions for you here Number one, is there something holding you back from reaching those that God has need of? 
Is there some tradition or cultural thing that's keeping you from obeying the word of the Lord in evangelism? Is God showing you something you need to let go of so that you can join God in the kingdom vision? If God has plans to use you as his soldier, then you must not say what God has called clean is unclean. Peter didn't recognize why God was asking him to change his ideas and his customs and his beliefs. The text is interesting because it goes on to say that Peter began to wonder what the vision meant. And I notice that oftentimes while we're seeking God's face for specific instructions or directions, God has already gone ahead of you to reveal to you what it is he's trying to get you to know. So let me paint it this way. Peter is up there praying. And three times he sees the vision, Brother Will. And three times he hears the voice, right? And while he's praying, God starts sending two men from the sister city. And they are coming to bear witness of what God was trying to show him. Are you listening here? So we see God working in prayer, trying to talk to him. Now we're going to get to see what God does after prayer. Right. <laughs> Are you listening here? And I pray that this will bless you as much as it's blessed me. While Peter was struggling to comprehend what God was saying, the answer was on the way. Oh, get encouraged, somebody. While Peter was trying to figure it out, Grandma said God had already worked it out. As Peter struggled to understand the vision, God was getting ready to change the paradigm of the church through the vision. So the two messengers were coming. Let me park the car right here before I give you my second point. I was talking this morning about the state of our country. Many of you have seen the news and you've seen the unrest and the marches that are taking place across America. You've seen the young boys and the men that have been killed unjustly and shot and gunned down. And here's what I've noticed that's happening in the church. The church, global, is all over the map on this. And I need to help new beginnings to properly understand what is the Christian worldview. This is the Christian worldview. We live in a fallen world. And we have a fallen world that's under the rule of a satanic being. His name is Satan. So no marching, no conversations with a fallen wicked world and a wicked system is going to ever rule in favor of a Christian. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trial and tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Can I say some more? The Christian does not march to get change in social action. We believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ 
is what changes the hearts and the minds of those who are looting and those who are shooting. Come on, talk to me. Only the gospel can make a racist a lover of all nations. Only the gospel can make a looter stop stealing and carrying up people's stuff. When the heart is changed through the preaching of God's word, people don't shoot and they don't loot. Y'all missed it. Do I got to say that again? I want to help you see this. So is marching wrong? It's wrong when you ain't marching and preaching. Is meeting with governors and law enforcement officials wrong? It's wrong if you ain't sharing the gospel. Am I making sense here? Society has always had wicked men and wicked kings. And that's not going to change until the new kingdom comes. And Jesus rules. So our prayer must be, Christ, let your kingdom come. And your will be done. Then society will have perfect rule. Why did I say that? Because I don't want you buying into talk radio mongrels who don't see the world through the Christian worldview. We look at the world through the lenses of scripture. Don't get it twisted, amen. If you look at it through CNN, you're going to get mad. You'll be on social media cussing and fussing and doing all the other stuff that all the other non-believers do. That's not your perspective. And let me say this to you in here who are bloggers and writers. You represent new beginnings. That's not what I'm teaching you. Don't make it up. Look it up. Be able to quote the scripture. To articulate what it is we believe and why we believe. Now, if you're going to be a soldier that God could use. Am I making sense? First thing we must do as a soldier that God could use. And we must have, we must have the activity of God in prayer. God, what are you saying to us in this hour about our assignment? Number two, God... What is your activity through prayer and after prayer? Look at verse 17. Y'all in here? Yes, Give me five minutes, okay? And I'll wrap it up. The Bible says, now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision he had seen meant, behold, as I mentioned earlier, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry. They were downstairs at Simon's house knocking on the gate. Peter's up on the roof trying to make sense out of the vision. And they came in in verse 18 and said, is Peter here? <laughs> While Peter is up there thinking about the vision, they're knocking. Then look at verse 19. The Bible says that the Spirit said to him, watch this now, the vision is over. And God speaks audibly to him. Behold, Peter, three men are seeking you. Arise and go down and go with them doubting nothing. Don't doubt nothing they tell you. Here's why, Peter, because I have sent them. 
Did y'all catch that right there? Circle 19 and 20 in your Bibles because here is where the activity of God happens through prayer. Let me rewind it. Let me rewind it because I see I'm losing some of you. Peter's praying. God brings down the sheep. God's trying to talk to him to show him where he wants him to go in his ministry, right? Then after the third time, he sends the messengers. They're at the door knocking. He's now going to, yes, reveal to Peter what he wants him to do. So he audibly tells him now, these men have come. I want you to go with them for I sent them to you. Then verse 21 says, Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent from Cornelius and said, How may I help you? They said, We've come looking for Peter. And then uh, they tell him, verse 22, who Cornelius is and what he's about. I'll come to that. When we come to the close, <clears throat> as God brings this messenger, he focuses in on Peter now with the spoken word. God the Holy Spirit says to him, Peter, here's your assignment. Go down and go with these brothers. Now look at this. God speaks. God orders his steps. God gives him an assignment. God proclaims what Peter must do. God reveals, Brother Andrew, that he has sent these Gentiles that Peter would have not normally hung out with. The stuff in the sheet, y'all. That's all I'm trying to say. The stuff in the sheet God's now telling him to hook up with. Y'all in here now? Sometimes God calls for you to break your traditions. To reach those who you wouldn't normally be kicking it with. Some of you say, I would never go into the bar to share the gospel. Well, how they going to get it? Some of you say, I never spend time with a young lady who's walking on the streets. Well, how she going to get the good news? And somebody who carrying it won't bring it to her. Stay with me in here. I'm trying to shake and loose some church stuff today. Some of you have been involved in the church so long, you forgot what real sinners look like. And your tradition, your formality keeps you locked in here. And you don't know when the last time you hung out with an alcoholic. When the last time you spent time with a heroin addict. When the last time you talked to somebody in prison. Your traditions have kept you locked in the four walls. And as a result, you don't have the cross-cultural ministry. I ain't just talking about race here now. I'm talking about Christian culture. This, for Peter, is a divine assignment. God reveals that the Gentiles have a place in his heart. And he wants Peter, who has the keys, the authority, to minister to them. Can I say some more? I like this because God makes sure by sending these three men now that Peter understands what's at stake. He makes sure that Peter sees clearly, Brother Lorna, what he must do. 
See, God makes sure that his communication with his son, Peter, is clearly defined and that his orders are embraced. Can I say it like this, Blackburn? God never gives you confusing directions. They only get confusing when you decide what you're going to do with them. He's always clear. Anybody know his words are crystal clear? The Bible ain't confusing. And so when God speaks, he speaks clearly. Second of all, and I'm almost through, when the men are asked to Peter, what do you need with me? They said that a man named Cornelius, who was a centurion, the centurion, as I mentioned on last week, uh, was a ruler in Caesar's army. And he was a soldier who had a hundred other soldiers under him. Cornelius was a part of the Italian regiment. And the Italian regiment um, um, uh, must have been a regiment that had power and influence in Caesarea. But Cornelius was running the show and he was a soldier that God could use. So these men say Cornelius the centurion sent us and watch how they describe him to Peter. He is one who fears God. He has a good reputation of all the nation of the Jews. And he has been divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear from you. In other words, they informed Peter that Cornelius' man is a devoted man of God like you. They tell him that he's got a good reputation among your people. They tell him that God has spoken to him through an angel, just like he speaks to you. Now, these are three important factors, and I'll tell you why. They're three important factors and critical for the invitation for Peter to join God in what he's doing. Because Peter had a problem crossing cultures. Peter needed to know that the man he was going to was a safe witness. I'm finna come down your road, so watch your feet. Some of us will pick and choose the people we witness to if they're a safe witness. God knows all about your framework. Am I making sense here? So to make sure that Peter goes the way he wants him to go, he sends him the messengers, they give him the message, and now Peter has to respond. I like this. Matthew Henry, a friend of my library, and I'm out of time, he says this, commenting on the passage. He said that the message, when it came from Cornelius, and Peter began to understand the vision, he found out that the vision wasn't about food. It was about race. <laughs> Peter had a race problem. Can I let the elephant out of the room? You got a race problem. Oh, I hear you what you talk about, what you talk about in your place where you talk about it. You know how I know you got a race problem? You a sinner. And you got a heart that was born and conceived in sin. And when you're not careful, you do everything the other sinners do. Don't you sit in here and look at me like you ain't got no problem. Oh, you got problems. Oh, race ain't your problem. What about food? What about jealousy? What about pride? Come on, talk to me. You know pride. Anybody know pride? Pride walks in with you. 
You just bought that new suit and you want somebody to look at you. Or you eye somebody across the room, look at them. They think they that. Pride. And it comes out of the heart. Are you with me here? Every man, woman, boy, and girl has a heart problem. And that's why God must deal with the heart in the scriptures. He's got to deal with Peter's heart. And Peter is going to be the man and the soldier that God could use. Ask somebody, what's your heart like today? I like this text because the Bible says that Simon decides, yes, to go with these three men. And some other men from Joppa are going to go with him. Well, next week we'll come back for part three and deal with a soldier that God could use. But just in case, I got some here that are wrestling with this lesson. I want to close today and reaffirm about the two things I've discovered. I discovered in the text that God does these two things in the life of a soldier he can use. Brother Jackson, number one, this is what he does, son. He reveals his plan to him in prayer. Secondly, God implements his plan for the soldier he can use after prayer. Did y'all catch that? He reveals his prayer to him and then he implements the action he wants him to have after prayer. Y'all catch that? All right, and I got evidence. I got evidence, Mother Ross. Can I give it to him? This can be seen in the life of every great soldier of God. Y'all remember Abraham? In Abraham's life, Pastor Zuniga, God first spoke in prayer and then moved after prayer. He told him in prayer, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And then he blessed him and gave him a boy named Isaac. Am I making sense right there? Y'all remember Moses? God spoke to him in prayer. And then move through him after prayer. Remember he said, I want you to go to Egypt and set my people free. He was like, uh-uh, God, I can't do that. I can't speak. I got a talking problem. Why don't you use Aaron? God's like, shh. And empowered him. And Moses, through the power of God after prayer, began to do what God told him he wanted him to do in prayer. I got more. Y'all want more? Yeah. Remember the life of David? David had seven brothers. And Israel was looking for the new king. They began with the eldest. And they looked down the line for who they thought God was going to anoint as the king. And the one that God had in mind wasn't the one they was looking for. But God said through prayer, the one I want is out in the backside of the field. The little bitty ruddy boy. God said, I'm going to make him king. After prayer, David became a warrior king. It was that one that nobody thought would do anything. 
that slayed the giant called Goliath. Are y'all in here with me? I got some more. You want some more? Remember Saul? Saul was killing Christians. But God had a plan for Saul. God had to stop him in the middle of his tracks on the Damascus road with a vision and say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. I've got a plan for your life, Saul. And after Saul gets up through prayer, God empowers him to become the greatest preacher the Gentile world ever known about. Well, I see I can't convince you so let me close my argument with a little braggadocious right here. The greatest soldier that God could ever use, hey, is my hero today. And you know what? God spoke to him through prayer too. See, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as a soldier on the battlefield for his father, he got weary in the battle. And one night in prayer, he said, Father, if there be any other way, take this cup from me because I don't want to fight this fight no more. And the Bible says that in prayer, his daddy said nothing. And after silence, he took that, that God has answered his prayer and said, there ain't no other way. Then Jesus himself gets up after prayer and guess what he says? Not my will but thy will be done. Hey, help me preach it all today, God. Jesus, the good soldier, under prayer, in prayer, continuous prayer, motivated by prayer, shows you and I what a good soldier looks like on the battlefield of life. While persecuted as a good soldier, he was still committed. While executed as a good soldier, he was still committed. While engaged in warfare with the wicked society, he was still committed. When he descended into the grave, he was still committed. He let him drop nails in his hands and a crown of thorns on his head. And because he was committed, he could pray. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. Father, into your hands. I commend my spirit. That's the kind of good soldier he was. Can I say some more? As a good soldier, he descended down into the depths of the grave, took the sting out of death, snatched the keys of authority from the devil, fastened them in this girdle, and rose back to life early Sunday morning with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. That's a good soldier. And when he came out, he said, all power of heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now y'all go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Can I say some more? And that same soldier is sitting right now at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority in his hands. And when the trumpet sounds, that soldier is going to mount his trusty steed and the armies of heaven are going to ride with the king of glory. That soldier, when he comes back, he's coming back with all power. He's going to mount that steed and the armies in heaven are going to be with him. Let me add that mic, son. And when he comes, the armies 
in heaven are going to mount up with Jesus. And when they mount up with Jesus, we're going to sing the old hymn of the song, Ride on, King Jesus. No man cannot hinder thee. When you see the King of glory, he won't be in crucifixion no more. There's a crown on his head. He's called the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. And on his thigh, there's a name written that no man knows. And he'll be coming with a sword in his mouth. He's a soldier. The kind of soldier that God could use. I'm closing now, but I'm glad I'm in the army of the Lord. Is there any soldiers here that's in the army of the Lord? Where my soldiers at? Where the soldiers at? Where the soldiers at? Where the soldiers at? Where the soldiers at? When we ride with King Jesus, no man will hinder us. Now ain't God alright? Ain't God alright? Ain't God alright? I'm gonna tell those who are weary, don't be weary and well doing, but hang on, cause you gonna reap if you don't think not. I'm gonna tell those who are beat up by the world, nothing in this world could harm you. In fact, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. When the enemies act up, throw your head back and let out a praise to the King of Glory. I dare you to let out a praise in the midst of warfare that clouded on the job. Let out a praise and watch how they look at you talking about you on the team. Let out a praise and watch how they attack you. Whatever you do, get dressed in the morning. Put on your battle attire. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the shoes of the gospel. Put on the helmet of salvation. Carry your shield of faith. And don't forget the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And when you fight, fight with a praise on your lips. When they act crazy, say hallelujah. Ain't God alright? You're soldiers. And the battle is not given to the swift, nor the weary, but it's given to those who wait on the Lord. Stand soldiers, no matter what it looks like. Stand soldiers, if you gotta stand alone, stand without apologies, stand without trepidation, stand without being double-minded, stand on what you know the Bible says is true, be a witness and watch God bless you, stand up, stand strong, and don't apologize for the word of the Lord, can somebody say yeah, say yeah, now ain't God
one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And I stood there and I wondered. I said, now I know that's lying because half y'all here don't know the God of the nation. Second of all, there ain't justice for everybody. So what are we standing in agreement to? We either lied or we about to shift God. I stand by the church today to tell you to stand with an allegiance to the word of God. Stand with your feet fast Fast with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Don't apologize on social media. Don't apologize to the news media. Don't apologize for those who don't love Jesus. Quit being afraid to carry the cross. Quit being double-minded. You're one way on Sunday and something else on Monday. If you go walk with the cross, then carry the cross. If you go live for the cross, then die with the cross. Make up your mind today. Be a soldier that God could use. Listen here. The world may tell you it ain't cool to stay at home and be mama. Who care what the world say? When God told you he'll promote you for taking care of them babies. The world may tell you it ain't cool to give your offering to the church. Who cares what the world says when God says that's how I'll bless you. Who cares what the world say? Listen, you gotta choose today. What kind of soldier you gonna be? Can I say some more? Some of y'all are still worried about what your children gonna say. And you ain't running the house. They running the house. What kind of soldier are you? And how can God use you when you don't have your own household in order? Make a decision today. Be a soldier that God can use. Dads, take back the authority God has given you in your home. I don't care how old they are, if they under your roof, you the daddy. Anybody in my house gonna be in my church. Anybody in my house gonna pray to my God. Even if you don't believe it, you better act like you believe it. Tell me how to raise my children. Am I making sense here? Here's why the culture ain't gonna stand before God on my behalf. Ladies, I'm talking to you. Obey the word of God and rule your house according to the authority of your husband. And then if you are not married, you fall under the governing authority of your dad and your local pastor. Search the scripture. Amen. Find out what God's will is for your life and live it that way. Amen. Don't take your cues from the culture. Amen. Take them from the scripture. Amen. Single people, quit shacking. Playing around like you married. You ain't married. Get your hands off of her. If he don't respect you now, don't think he gonna respect you later. 
Can I talk to the ones who are confused about your gender? God wasn't confused. That's why he gave you what he gave you when you came in. let the world tell you you have these feelings because maybe you were different. No, you got them feelings because you got a wicked heart. And you need a heart transplant. You are the gender you are, the one you were born with. And don't you let the psychologists or the sociologists lie to you. Parents, you push that in them. Don't let them come home from school with these ideas. That's nonsense. Be a soldier that God could use. And watch God use you greatly in the culture. I'm through preaching, but I want to pray for you. Then I'm going to ask Reverend White to come and finish the invitation. Would you bow your heads with me?